morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in your world, and welcome to the Radiant Menopause Podcast. Today's conversation is with Elizabeth Carr Ellis, who is not only, in her own words, a gobby Geordie journalist, but also the founder of the Know Your Menopause campaign, which is really taking GP surgeries by storm all around the country, exposing women sitting in GP surgeries and hopefully in other places too, to the symptoms of the menopause. It's an awareness campaign that has been taken recently, just before COVID actually, to the House of Lords. And uh, we're just really going to watch this space and hope that Elizabeth and her team are able to make the real difference that they want. It's a fascinating conversation. Uh, We get on really well. It turns out that we're fellow Pisceans, so that kind of explains things really, uh, particularly around her own experience with um, the menopause and how it started for her. So I hope you enjoy. So here we are. Here is the wonderful Elizabeth Carr Ellis. Good afternoon, young lady. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Now listen, we are very much on the same page, you and I, because you have um, an amazing website called 50 Cents, and your tagline is, for women uh, not afraid of growing older. And mine is all about helping women to celebrate their wisdom years. So I know that we're gonna have a brilliant conversation um, because you know we're looking at this uh, this period in our lives in a very positive way. It's very important to you, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it is. It's, um, I thought I would have big problems when I turned 50. And so I didn't. And it just became a, why am I so scared of getting older when the alternative is not nice? And I had a horrible 20s. So why do I want to be in my 20s again? I am so much better now. Life is so much better now. So yeah, it's for celebration, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So let's have a little bit of a kind of backtrack then and just talk Mm -hmm. about Elizabeth. And, you know, because you are, um, how do you describe yourself, actually? I've described you, but how do you describe yourself? (laughs) (laughs) I describe myself as a gobby Geordie journalist, basically. (laughs) That's how I am. I am... I've worked in newspapers, magazines, websites now, but I've done that since I was 21, something like that. And I am an old fashioned hack, basically. That's what how do you mean say. by that, an old fashioned hack? For those of the un- uneducated among us, <laughs> and I include myself in that, what does that look like? I'm a proper journalist. I love the news. I love spreading the news. I love. Um, educating people through the news i just i really really love journalism i always have done it was one of i wanted to be two things if i couldn't be a princess <laughs> then i wanted to be an actress or work in the theater or i wanted to um be a journalist and i was very big when i was younger and so the school's career people used to go like yeah maybe you can't be an actress because i wasn't pretty and gorgeous and all that um but I was really good at English so I did drama as a I should have done it I should have kind of did it but at the same time I love English and I fell into journalism by accident and um, because I started off in desktop publishing 
and through that I got into our local newspaper and that's it I am a proper old-fashioned go to the pub at lunchtime drink 15 pints go home <laughs> shout at everybody for you know deadlines and get the story out there hold the front page I love all that Brilliant. Stop with that donkey, all those exactly. Kinds of yeah, yeah. So, have you worked for big publications and are you still doing that now? I am at the moment, I'm working for Hello Magazine, um, yeah. and a part time role so that I can do the campaign and do 50 cents. Um, um before that, I used to work for The Week magazine, oh, I, worked right. for the web, I worked for the website. Oh, that's interesting. I've got a connection with The Week. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I can't remember the gentleman that owned it. He's dead now, isn't he? He is, yes. It was. Oh, my goodness. He had loads and loads of hair and he did the biz thing. Yeah, what was his uh, name? And... Oh, this oh, is the menopausal gone. brain right there. <laughs> yeah. It's gone because I can see him, but I just can't remember his name. Well, I went to his fantastic house. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, which was the most incredible experience. I know we're completely off subject here, but he had this incredible house with a garden that had all these amazing statues in it that he bought. And inside the house, it had this one room that was like a pirate ship. Um, and it, it had kind of lagoons and all these and big palm trees. And it was bright, bright colours. It was like being in the Caribbean. <laughs> and he had the best bathroom and toilet that I have ever seen in my life it had so much marble in it I can't tell you oh, wow. he was a real eccentric wasn't he Felix Dennis Felix Dennis there we go That's and he yeah. he sponsored my daughter at the time my youngest daughter was um taking part in an equestrian sport a mad one uh, gymnastics on, on horseback and he sponsored the team for some time before uh, she competed at the world equestrian games in 2010 oh, wow. um and so uh he knew one of the pair, one of the other parents and that's how he got involved and we went to his house and we walked around the grounds and we met him and it was just the most extraordinary time I, I just think characters like that just make the world don't they I would have loved to have met him I hear I hear so many I know a few hacks who knew him and I hear so many stories about him it would have been amazing to meet him yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh well there you go isn't that wonderful well there's they always say isn't there six degrees of separation or something yeah you know. yeah you know so many people so um, before that i worked oh so, sorry no i was going to say um i worked at the scotsman i worked up in edinburgh for a while uh -huh. um and i was the first female night editor and as far as i'm aware the only female night editor they've ever had in nearly 200 years of history um and i was in spain for a while i worked in madrid for a bit Really wow, nice. that's very exciting. That's it. It was brilliant. I love Madrid. Great city. So when did you decide to do, um, to, to have a bit of a kind of take a back seat with all of that and, and create this 50 cents? It's 50, 5 cents, which is your, yes. your website, presumably aimed at midlife women. When did that happen? It started um, in the year before I turned 50. It started as a, a very simple little WordPress blog for me and for friends, I wanted to document how I felt going on for 50 because it did feel like such a huge milestone. Mm. Um, 40s, turning 40, I hated. I didn't want to turn 40 at all. I refused to have presents. I asked people to give donations to cancer research instead. For my 50th, I was like, this is pretty wow. This is, you know, this is something to celebrate turning 50. A friend of mine, <laughs> an old school friend, had died. Um, 
about a year before. And that was a real turning point because I, he literally, he just, he passed away in his sleep. And I just thought, you're so lucky to be here. I'd heard of a few friends who'd been ill, a few friends who died in horrible circumstances. And I just thought, you know, you're really, really lucky to still be around. I have a lovely husband, a job I love, um, friends I love. And you should be celebrating each year that passes because that's another year of having all these things. And I wanted to do that with 50 cents. I wanted to document how I was feeling and what I was doing. Um, so I did that when I turned 50. And then when I turned 50, I sort of stopped it a little bit. And then I was like, I really want to do it. And I want, I've met so many amazing women through it and talking to it on people on um, Twitter that I want to celebrate them as well. Mm. So I got a bit more serious about it about a year and a half ago where I rejected the website um, and started taking it a bit more seriously and mm. making it into more of a celebration of women rather than just, uh, oh, so today I got up and I went to the bar and we talked about turning 50. So I made it a little bit more serious than okay, that. Okay, brilliant. I, I've actually had a look at the website and I really like it. I think... It's really inspirational. I love the look of it apart from anything else because I don't know about you, but one of the reasons I started Radiant Menopause is because I see so much negativity about um, midlife and the menopause in particular. Yeah. And I think, you know, you and I and a lot of other people are in the same, on the same page saying, you know, we're not having this. <laughs> the fact that you are 50 or that you are going through the menopause, which lasts between seven and 14 years. And for some of us, even longer than that, that's a whole different story that actually, you know, it's just another phase of life and one that actually we want people to understand, to be educated about so that they can celebrate the next half, you know, and to, to be free of some of the things that, have, have kind of kept us uh, perhaps away from fulfilling our real dreams as women you know for a lot of women this is the the chance to almost start afresh really isn't it yeah I see it very much like that I mean I have I have not had an easy menopause my menopause has not been nice at all but other parts of my life are really really good and they're good in a way that they weren't 20 or 30 years ago and I know that's because of my age and because I don't take the shit anymore. I will stand up for myself in ways that I wouldn't when I was younger. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that loses me people. But then I think, but I have to be true to who I am now. Yeah. And I have to do that and I have to be honest. And I'd rather be honest with the people around me who love me for being honest than put up any fakery. And that's very much what 50 Cents is about. It's about embrace who you are now because... You're amazing. And we do get this, this confidence that you can do anything. And some of the women I've had who have, you know, they've started second careers that are completely different to what they were doing beforehand. Yeah, I started my business at amazing. 51, 51, yeah. 52. And it, it just didn't feel like it was anything abnormal at the time. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. something had happened. I, I, you know, I gave up my job because I was fat, sick and unhappy. Um, I trained to be a Pilates teacher, which actually was a bit of a shock because I just assumed it was going to be like going back to university because it took me a year to do it. It was a really high quality course that I went on. And I just assumed that my brain was going to work in the same way. And it was a huge shock when I realized that I couldn't retain things that ordinarily 10 years ago or 20 years ago would have been an absolute doddle, you know, yeah. particularly as a former nurse. Didn't stop me though. 
But of course, you know, you and I know women who are going, well, you know, um, what am I going to do now? My life is now black and white instead of all in colour. I don't feel that I'm useful anymore. And I'm not saying this is all women, uh, but we also get women at the other end who are in these high powered corporate or entrepreneurial careers who are questioning themselves, questioning their usefulness, perhaps feeling that they're being overlooked, um, you know, in favour of younger women or younger women are being favoured. You know, for every woman, it's really different, isn't it? I think it's true and there's so many women who they do sort of the tradition has been that once you get to 50 you become invisible and that's yeah. it you know you're you're past it you're old but I always say we're the punk generation you know <laughs> we grew up with Debbie Harry and with Susie Sue and with women who said I'm not taking that yeah. and so now we've got to 50 and it's like I'm not taking that either I am not having you tell me my life's over because I'm 50 because I've got another 30, 40 years ahead of me at least. Mm. I hope, you know, could be more. Yeah. People are living so much longer now. But then so, Vera Lynn was 103 or something. I saw something the other day, a woman mm. poor, can't wait to get home. She ju she'd just been taken into hospital and she couldn't wait to get back to her own house. Yeah. You know, so, and when I lived in Spain, actually, I had, um, I did some teaching when I was out there and I had a student who told me about her great grandmother who had broken her leg and couldn't wait to get back to her village. So she wasn't a very, she had, didn't have a good level of English. So I went back through the family tree and I said, okay, this is your grandmother. This is your great grandmother. So this isn't your great grandmother, is it? This is your grandmother. And she was like, no, it's my grandmother's mother. It's my great grandmother. And she's 102. And I was <laughs> like, what? So yeah, she was absolutely right. And this woman was, you know, oh, I have to get back to the village because I have to look after everybody. And there were so many women like that. I used to see so many women in Spain in their 60s, 70s, 80s, going out, having a few gin and tonics at night, sitting in the bars, sitting in the terraces. And I just think, man, I'm sitting in a house, like most old people I know, they sit in their house and they don't do anything. And I'd rather be those women going out and yeah. getting drunk on a few GMPs than them. Yeah. So I'm not going to let society say, oh, no, 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 you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't no. be doing that. Yeah. No, I absolutely I just, agree. I just had a great Twitter <clears throat> conversation with this woman who is 51 and she, it's National Bikini Day today, which I oh, didn't know. And she's wearing a bikini. She looks amazing. Now the rules say that once you get past 40, you don't wear bikinis and you don't wear short skirts. Somebody please tell this woman that she should not be doing this because I would be facing the queue saying, are you crazy? Look at her, she looks amazing. So the rules don't apply anymore. The rules no. don't apply anymore. If you are happy doing it, do it. Fair yeah, enough. absolutely. And, and all, to the, all to the good. And I think, you know, one of the big things, if you ask women, and I've seen sort of surveys being done in various groups, you know, what are your biggest concerns? You know, weight gain always, 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 always comes out as one of the biggest concerns. And I don't know, know how you feel. We've had a little conversation about COVID weight gain, haven't we? And, you know, we've both been in the same boat where we've been kind of comfort, comfort drinking, <laughs> which ordinarily you and I wouldn't do, but it's okay. Yeah. But I don't beat myself up about that. And I know you're not either because this is just a very temporary situation. But I, I just am so sad that so many women kind of want to emulate the 20-year-old and they're looking at how they were when they were 30 and as if it's kind of uh, that's the only acceptable form of womanhood 
Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I want to get into my clothes and I want to look good into my clothes. But at the same time, I'm nearly 60. And it's not realistic for me um, to expect my body to behave in the same way. It's got a very different function now that it did then apart from anything else. So, you know, why would I put so much pressure on myself? I, I find now my role models are getting more, I still look at, you know, young girls, but Cara Delevingne is beautiful. Gigi Hadid is beautiful. They're beautiful because they're 20, mm. you know, but if I look at Cindy Crawford or, you know, Debbie Harry, who is a huge hero of mine, Grace Jones, I mean, Grace Jones is 70 something now and looks amazing. And to me, those are the role models we should be having. Yes, Helen Mirren. Exactly. Um, you know, Helen yeah. Mirren is amazing. And, and I'm not saying this because they're famous. It's because, you know, they are just be deeply beautiful women um, that have embraced the way that they are. I mean, they've got extra pressure on them. Yeah. Because they're in that very, very different or difficult profession. But at the same time, you know, I, as you say, we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to other than like for like really. Uh, and I think that's, you know, a really important message that from a mental health perspective is that the more that we can empower women to really look at themselves. And I'm not saying you shouldn't manage your weight because that's part of what I help women do, but actually be realistic about it. I find now with them, um, with those women that I look at, it's not how they look because I can't, look like them and I know I can't look like them whereas mm. when I was in my 20s I used to try I used to try and be like you know my teens I was wanting to be banana rama with a big hair and everything <laughs> yeah. and I can't look like them but it's the attitude it's how they yeah. hold themselves that is my role model now yeah. and I look and I think well Helen Mirren is still wearing a bikini in her 60s and she looks incredible in it she chose an extremely flattering bikini yeah. I know that but good for her <laughs> she was a really flattering bikini that's what you've got to do, you know, make the yeah. best of what you've got. Yeah, and it was interesting about that photograph because she didn't do that to have, you know, she was snapped yeah. by somebody, a journalist who, or a photographer who was literally miles away and she was very embarrassed about mm -hmm. it. So she wasn't even mm -hmm. doing that to say, look at me. She was actually doing yeah. that because it was comfortable and her husband thinks she's yeah. beautiful and mm -hmm. you know, she was posing for him, wasn't she? Yeah, and that's it. And I just think it's the attitude that I want. and. I'm very much more now along the lines of if you walk into a room and you believe you're confident, then everybody else will believe you're confident too. I had um confidence is very was, sexy, isn't it? Yes. And I mean not only from a man to a woman, but from a woman to woman as well. Yeah, yeah. Everybody looks at the person who's confident because they light up the room just with what they were. And I look when I was um, when I was working at the Scotsman and I was the night editor. Quite often I would be well, not even quite often. I would be the only woman in conference news conferences. It was a very much it still is very much a male dominated profession journalism, especially once you get higher up. Mm. And I used to be outside shaking. I would be shaking so much because I felt huge imposter syndrome um, a lot of the men thought that their mates should have been given the job instead because they were men they'd been around for a long while I had to deal with all that sort of stuff a few of the women were jealous so they weren't happy that I had the job either and I used to shake and they used to think everybody's just waiting for me to fail so you're just gonna have to take a deep breath put a big smile on your face and go into that conference and sit down and just do it so it was very much about fake it just fake it fake it till you make it Mm. And now I just think that's the way you have to be sometimes is 
channel that confidence and then it does become part of you you start feeling the confidence that you're pretending to have yes because what what you think um you get essentially yeah and and even yeah. if you're not into the law of attraction and you know i i'm very much into that sort of spiritual awakening world even if you're not you know the old adage is you know if you if you think about bad things bad things will come and i think this is one of the scary things that's going on at the moment with covid and um, the coronavirus is that there is so much negativity negativity and fear is that we are in you know bathing everybody in the mm. negativity yeah and it's very hard these days because you have social media telling you one thing and mm. i think everybody seems to know what you're thinking you write something down and people go ah yes but what you really think is this and i'm like it's not what i wrote <laughs> no i'm doing and that's not what that person wrote but everybody seems and everybody's become so judgmental and yeah. i think oh just just give people a break you yeah. know people make mistakes i've, I've been up. saying for a while you know just mind your own business you know especially when we were in the, this lockdown and people were getting really irritated and irate and angry about the neighbors who were doing this and so and so, and so. just mind your own business yeah um, because yeah. all you can do is look after you and your family you can't you can't determine what they're going to do that's not for you to do that yeah. Uh, the only time I've asked them not to mind their own business, by the way, is that I've been running a domestic abuse campaign called Hashtag Spot the Signs, where I really want them to mind other people's businesses. <laughs> yes. But that's, you know, yes. that's a whole other story. Um, so let's just go back to then your kind of personal menopause journey before we talk about your campaign, which we definitely are going to talk about. So um, how old were you when you first started noticing? And were you aware, first of all, that you were going into the perimenopause when it happened to you? I knew my hormones were changing, basically because I was about 48, 49-ish, 48-ish. Um, and I knew my hormones were changing. I started, my period started getting irregular, which was great because I used to suffer. Um, I've just recently discovered that it's PMDD. It was, I just thought I had really bad PMT. Um, and talking to a doctor earlier this year, he was like, no, actually, I think you had PMDD, which is a sensitivity to progesterone. So my PMT was through the roof. I used to have really bad periods. Um, and so I was having irregular periods and that was great. I felt fantastic for that. And my first symptom was actually a receding hairline, which I went to the GP about because I was like, I'm going bald. And she says, oh, well, you know, hormones do this. And I thought, oh, well, hormones do this. And that was it. She didn't do anything else. Um, so I knew my hormones were changing, but I didn't know that was menopause, mm. which sounds strange, I know, but I, you kind of have this image of menopause being when your periods just stop completely and that's it. Mm. Not, you don't think it's going to take a few years to get to that stage. Mm. I thought my periods would stop or they would become irregular and then they would stop and that would be it. I didn't know I would have all these other symptoms with it as well. It's interesting because, you know, I still get women and I do talks and things and they say, oh, well, it, you know, I'm having symptoms now and I now know this is the perimenopause because we talk about perimenopause, menopause, which is the actual last day of the period and then postmenopause. And so many women say, oh, well, you know, I'm going through the perimenopause, but I'm really looking forward to the day when it's over and I'll be out the other side as if it's magically going to go away. Yeah. And actually, 
That's not what happens at all. A lot of those symptoms carry on for months, years, even years and years, even. And you know, I've met people with mothers who at 75 are still having hot flushes. Sorry to be the bearer of good news, ladies, or bad news, I should say. Uh, but there is still this massive ignorance around actually this whole withdrawal from estrogen, which is really what's happening here, yeah. and the effects it will have on women, and everybody is affected in a different way. And for you, your hair loss, your receding hairline, which is a typical menopause symptom, um, is usually, and very often the symptom that most women will go to the doctors to, is not about heavy periods or about hot flushes, because that's the kind of acceptable face of menopause. If they're gonna have heard about anything, it's that. Mm. It'll usually be something that's a bit rarer, like joint pain, or um, as you say, hair loss for you, or depression, anxiety, those kinds of things. And of course, what yeah. we then get is the GP who goes, oh yeah, well, I'll just treat that symptom. Or I can treat it with this, or I can't treat it, it's just your hormones. Um, and so there's still a huge amount of education to, needed to be done, isn't there here? That was it. exactly right. I mean, my next thing I went with was actually joint pain. Uh -huh. I was getting, um, it was almost like shin splints. I was getting huge pains in my legs at night. I always had RLS, but this was far, far worse. Restless leg syndrome, where yes. I turn into Michael Flatley, an Irish dancer in bed, <laughs> and my legs start kicking up like that. It's horrendous. I hope um, you take magnesium for that, do you? Magnesium didn't work for me. Oh, it's got to be the so right sort I, of magnesium. I, yeah, I ended up having to go to the GP, and I'm now on some tablets for it. And uh -huh. nobody will ever take these tablets off me <laughs> it is because grim, isn't they it? work so well. Um, but I also, because of my HRT, and I'm also on something else now, which makes my RLS a little worse. So I'm doing magnesium as a top up, and that's working great. Yeah, it's got to be but, the right form of magnesium, yeah. just to tell everybody. So, so you started at 48. Hair loss was the receding hairline. Joint pain, what else happened? Joint pain, then I got palpitations. Oh, how deep um, joy. When I was training for my 50th, I wanted to run a half marathon, which considering I'd never even run for the bus <laughs> before that really was just nuts. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to do the Great North Run in Newcastle. So I was training for that and I started getting palpitations. And um, obviously I went to the GP because I was like I'm training for a half marathon I'm getting palpitations I'm aware of my age you know and she was like oh well you just have to stop stop running and so I burst into tears and I was like but I've been sponsored for guide dogs I can't stop the guide dogs need me <laughs> and also just because I actually was really really loving the runs I'd got up to 10 miles and I was loving it you know I really enjoyed it um and she was like no 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 you have to go do a stress test you know, she honestly didn't consider or tell you that palpitations could be part of menopausal symptoms. Not one word. She says, you'll have to stop running. Um, and I was like, I can't stop running. She goes, well, you know, don't do more than three miles a week. And you need a stress test. And I was like, but when I run, I feel amazing. I don't get palpitations when I run. She was no. like, no. So I like stopped running for a couple of weeks. And then I was like, but I feel all right when I run. So I'm going to do like 5Ks. And then if I just have to do like 5K in the Great North Run and walk the rest, then at least I've run something and do this. So I kept on running a bit, but it was always on the back of my mind. And that was when the depression and anxiety was starting as well. And I also got paranoia. I started worrying mm. about 
huge, you know, mistakes at work that weren't mistakes. If I, if I caught an error, I'd start worrying about what would happen if you hadn't caught it. Mm. And what if somebody else had seen that mistake and they must think I'm useless now because that mistake almost went through. I almost let it. And my brain would never go to the next step of, but you didn't. Mm. It would always just go to the, what, what if, if, what if. What if, and, what if. and so I started getting depression and anxiety and this horrendous paranoia um, until one day at work, I say to my husband, I'm going to the accident and emergency after work. I think I'm having a heart attack. Um, I'm, I'm just, the side of my body is just so sore, my arm's sore. So we went down to the accident and emergency, spent four hours there. Um, lovely, lovely Irish doctor called Liam, who was so cute. Lovely <laughs> Irish doctor. Aww. And he basically just says, you know, do your family worry about their health unnecessarily? And I was like, mm. and he was like, but you're fine. You're a fit as a fiddle. You know, we can't see anything wrong with you. And I was telling him everything that had happened. And he was like, well, you know, sometimes when the doctor says that there's something to investigate, that makes it worse. He was like, if you feel fine when you run, keep running. I think it's, you know, perhaps skeletal problems. Might be your posture that's causing it or muscle strain or something. He was like, but you're fine. He didn't mention menopause either. Didn't say a word. Did ask me if I did coke. Yeah, did ask me if I was doing coke, which I didn't. For goodness um, sake. Well, he says apparently a lot of older people come in with heart attacks or heart symptoms because they've been doing coke. So I was like, no. You know, so the doctor Ouch. asked me if I was doing coke, but he didn't ask me anything about my menopause. <laughs> and you were, what were you, 50 at the time? I was 50, yeah. Big flashing light, you know. Exactly, yeah. Um, so I went, I did the stress test. And that was no problem because I was super fit at the time. Yeah. And they said, go run the Great North Run. They said, we haven't told you to do it, but, you know, yeah. we're going to go see to the doctor. You're absolutely fine. So if you want to run it, go run it, which I did. And it was brilliant. Um, but at the same time, I was getting all this depression and paranoia and anxiety as well. I switched jobs, um, went back to, this is, my second time at Hello Magazine, I was working, I worked for Hello, and I'd gone back there, and I just started thinking nobody at work like me. Um, there were spot mistakes I was doing all the time, and I wasn't doing any mistakes, but if there, if there was the slightest error, I would fling myself up, no matter who did it. I did anybody notice what was going on? Did you talk to anybody? Was this just all very private for you? This was all private for me, yeah. My husband knew, obviously. Um, but we just moved house as well. So there was a lot of mm, new job, just moved house. I've turned 50. So I've got, you know, all the psychological things with getting older, the milestone. You know, there's always an excuse. Mm. There's always a reason that you can pin down to. Mm -hmm. um, and it got so bad that, our offices are right next to the Thames and I used to walk down the Thames and I used to look in and think, what if I just, what if I just jumped? Wow. Not because I wanted to kill myself, but I just wanted to get away from everything. Mm. And I just kept doing that. And I would deliberately leave work open on my machine. So I'd think, no, you've got to go back and finish it. You know, so I had a reason to go back. Mm. Um, and this kept going on, going on. My husband kept saying, go to the doctors. And I'm like, no, 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 it's just stress. Just, I'm just stressed. I just need to, you know, deal with that. I'll be fine. I imagine he would, was really worried about you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I also started getting very, very angry. I would get huge rages. 
and I'd wake up in the middle of the night raging in my mind about politics, um, somebody who would be rude to me even if they hadn't that day, um, the lack of gammon crisps. Why couldn't you buy gammon crisps anymore? It was disgusting. I wanted gammon crisps and you can't get them anywhere. I would wake up raging and I would lose it with him um, and I would flick him with tea towels if I got like, because I just wanted to hurt him. So if I had a tea towel in my hand, I'd flick him just to try wow. and cause pain, just to get that rage Oh out my of me. goodness. Um, and then I started with the hot flushes and fatigue and we'd be out and I'd get hot flush and I'd be like, I have to sit down. I have to stop because I have no energy. So after a couple of these, he was like, right, I'm getting on Dr. Google and I'm looking to see the must be stuff you can take for your hot flushes. Because I was like, I'm not going to the doctors for hot flushes. That's just menopause. Mm. I'm not going to the doctors for menopause. Don't be so daft. Um, so he looked and he looked and he said, everything you've been going through for the last three, four years is menopause. I was like, what? And he says, everything you've been through is on this menopause symptoms list everything right down to your joint pain I started getting itchy skin that time as well itchy skin he was like everything you have been through is menopause mm -hmm. and I was like but menopause is hot flushes few mood swings mm -hmm. and periods not all this and so the next morning I went to my GP um they've got a system where if you go first thing you can get an appointment for that day and the guy in front of me took so long that all the appointments went and I just burst into tears and she says, I'm going to put you in the drop-in clinic. And I was like, oh, you can't because drop-ins for emergencies. And I'm just, I'm just <laughs> menopausal. It's just stupid hormones. And that's how I felt about it. It was like, you know, it's, it's just hormones. And she's like, sweetheart, look at yourself. You know, yeah. you can't talk. You're crying so much. And she gave me some tissues and made me sit down. And she was like, you're not leaving until you've seen the GP. Yeah. And that was it. That was when I discovered that. Because before that, I'd been telling everybody I was having a great menopause. Yeah. You know, I'm having a fabulous menopause. I'm getting a few palpitations. I hate nothing it. wrong. Nothing wrong with me. I'm, I'm super woman. <laughs> I'm having a brilliant menopause. I love not having periods. It's great. Yeah. And in fact, I was having a really, really horrendous menopause, which I hadn't realised about at all. Mm. So yeah, that's my. So did you see? A, did you see a woman or a man at that point? I saw a man, and he was really good. He put me on um, tablets. Which ones were they? I can't remember. Ended with a stan. It wasn't femistan. Mm -hmm. um, but because I have a progesterone sensitivity, they were great for a little while. And then my body just started rejecting all the progesterone in them. So I ended up as bad as I was. Uh -huh. So I went to see another doctor because you can never see the same doctor twice. No. Um, I went to see another one and he was like, oh no, I think you just need antidepressants. And I was like, I just don't want to feel it this way. So if antidepressants will do it, that's great. And then I was still feeling bad because antidepressants just made me feel meh. You well, know, that's when they do, they depress yeah. things, you know, it's yeah. antidepressants. I'm, I don't have any emotions, so I can't get excited mm -hmm. or cross or angry. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling great. Anything. I was still feeling bad. anything. I was still, you know, I was still itching. I was still getting half flushes. Yeah. But I just felt, mm. Um, mm. And then I saw an advert for the BBC's Health Truth or Scare looking for people who wanted to find out about HRT and menopause and had... Um, with the reason cancer scares and my sister had had breast cancer which is one of the reasons why I was so happy to get off HRT because I'd been so worried about my sister yeah. having breast cancer when she was in her 
forties yeah. that I was, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm, I could be at risk. I could be at risk. Um, and I sent the BBC researcher the longest email she's ever had in her life, I'm sure, explaining everything. And I got on the program and I saw Haytham Hamoda, who is now chairman of the British Menopause Society. And he was wonderful because he just listened. Um, and again, he says, you're not going mad. You know, you're not depressed. You're menopausal. And the right HRT will help you. Yeah, and, and actually, there is no risk for you. Oh, you know, yeah. the, the risk yeah. for you is so small. That was it. He was like, with the right HRT, you'd be absolutely fine, you know. Um, and there is no risk for you because your sister's history is not your, your history. Mm. And, you know, different lifestyle factors, there's a whole load of different factors that can play into it. So you'd be absolutely fine. Um, so then it was just trying to find a GP who would agree with what yeah. he had said to give me because so here he is yeah mr british menopause society <laughs> yeah. but that's the problem isn't it is that even though we have these experts now that are coming to the fore is that the kind of received still the received view is that hrt is bad and that if you're going to go on it you should only go on it for five years yeah and they were very much i oh no you know i said he sees a gel and um progesterone through a coil or tablets or something and testosterone yeah. testosterone no yeah. your testosterone level's fine you know you don't need testosterone these specialists have some left field ideas at times so they said left field ideas so i ended up on patches which again just give me the same problems with the progesterone yeah um and then of course we started hitting all the problems with hrt shortages mm-hmm. where i would go and i couldn't you know December, I paid my 18 pounds because it's double for HRT, which winds me up. Um, I paid that and I got one month's worth of supplies because that's all they could get me. Mm. The doctor was literally phoning the pharmacy during my appointment. That was my entire appointment. There's a doctor phoning to see what he could get. And by the time I got downstairs, they were like, oh no, you've you've got one month. We'll get the rest in for you. Still waiting. They never got the rest of so I ended up going cold turkey at the beginning of this year and it was, it was absolutely horrendous. Wow. The progesterone over, it was so bad. And because I'd been running the campaign, um, another menopause specialist reached out and says, I will, you know, if you make a donation to charity, I'll give you a, he says, he goes, I'll give you a consultation. If you want to, you can make a donation to charity mm-hmm. and that'd be great. So he, he, Give me a consultation but at the time I was so tired I was so sad I was so depressed that he says you know okay we'll do zoom in an hour and I was like I can't even the thought that you know I know this man is trying to help me was like I have no energy and he was like get the energy you know you need to get seen to as soon as possible so get yeah. on that yeah um and he wrote me a letter and at the time I found a fantastic GP in my surgery who I will now just go to um and we're getting there. COVID's put a spanner in the works because I haven't been able to go for a coil fit and I was supposed to get uh-huh. so different ones, which is why I'm now on patches. And because I was so scared of the progesterone, I say to the GP, I want to go on antidepressants for that as well because I felt so bad in March. I wanted to throw myself under a train. I was, it was just so bad. Um, and he agreed. He, was, he says, that's fine, you know. 
I know you've thought about this. I know you know about this. So yeah, yeah you're absolutely. informed about it. And it is a, you know, it, and I, I would never say don't go on to antidepressants. But of course, what we don't want is for the first thought to be antidepressants in a GP's mind. And unfortunately, you know, and I know that Diane Danzabrick is doing a huge amount. She's got a campaign too, hasn't she, to raise yeah. awareness and education. Yeah, yeah, not only in schools, but for medical training as well. You know, I've just been talking to this um, to, to somebody else. Um, and this really does need to be done. But, you know, I'm very fortunate. I, I, I did without any hormone replacement therapy for, I don't know, um, well, I was 45 when I had a hysterectomy, I had patches for a couple of years until I got frightened. So from 48 to 59, so over 11 years, I've been without any estrogen at all. Mm-hmm. Trying to cope, doing my functional nutrition stuff, doing everything, you know, using um, uh, herbal-based remedies, which help to some degree, ma- managing my gut microbiome, which also helps, you know, keeping my exercise up. I teach, you know, used to teach Pilates, all that sort of thing. So if there's anybody that knows about it, it's me. And I could help other women, <laughs> you know, get rid of their flushes. Oh, isn't she great? Yeah. But I just could never get rid of it myself and have been there for um, pretty much an insomniac for the last 13 years. Oh. And when I eventually developed vaginal atrophy, that's when I had to start actually getting a grip of myself and saying, okay, I really need to look at real um, solutions now because this is impacting my life. And it, I think if I hadn't have done something, I'd have been in a very similar situation. She mm-hmm. was already getting me down and affecting obviously my relationship. I, yeah. you know, I've been with my husband for 38 years, so it's a, it's a long time. So... But I was very lucky because I, I'd, I, you know, people like you and I, we have the ability to educate ourselves and to find the right research. And I've gone on educating myself since. And I, when I went to the doctors, I was very fortunate. I had somebody that was fairly switched on, very switched on. I went with the nice guidelines that she's supposed to know about, all GPs are supposed to know about and follow. I printed them all out. And on the back of it, I wrote, I want some estradiol gel and I want some vagivent pessaries. Um, this is my blood pressure. This is how much I weigh. And I was in and out in seven minutes. Wow. I got exactly what I wanted. <laughs> and that's really what we need to be able to do. Uh, yeah. You know, supplies, you know, um, uh, being available and everything. But but this is really the responsibility that you and I want women to, to feel. This is this yeah. empowerment mm-hmm. to understand that actually this is much more complicated than just hot flushes and... Um, you know, joint pain or whatever it is, that there's probably 40 or maybe even more than that, 60 symptoms and all of us will be different. But actually, we live in a world now where the type of estrogen that is being given is very different to the studies that were done in 2002, which produced this WHI uh, research paper that frightened the bejesus out of women and still the medical profession and basically are making our lives almost impossible at times to to live mm-hmm. yeah it's absolutely true i mean the that whi study has just i would you know hand on heart say it's ruined women's lives yeah because women have not been able to get the medication they need and some women do just need hrt yeah. you know i need i need it because of the progesterone because if, if i don't have the estrogen build up that pro- Progesterone's just going to get me. So at the moment, I need it. Um, and, and you're, and you're probably always going to need it. You know, the, yeah. the point is that you know it's, it's this business about I'm going to go to perimenopause, the last demo period, everything's going to go away. 
what we now know is that we're living much longer and therefore mm. 30 or 40 years with this lack of estrogen, which wouldn't have happened 100 years ago, we all died yes. much earlier, means that we are putting ourselves at risk and GPs are putting us at risk um, through their, I don't want to say ignorance because it's not, it's just that they are being fed uh, fed information that they feel obliged to work on yes. that actually you know short-term hrt is all that we are allowed not all gps because there are some very very enlightened ones that have done their research but actually the withdrawal of estrogen just doesn't go away you yes. know it just is going to get worse and so in order to protect ourselves to live the lives and the quality of life that we want we need to replace the estrogen that we're losing in the same way that we lose vitamin D and we don't get enough magnesium in our diet and we lose the ability to absorb certain nutrients because our gut function goes down and we need extra B vitamins as we get older and antioxidants. You know, I've had a complete change around personally with the way that I view this. And it's, I don't now consider that I'm taking a drug. I don't view it yeah. like that. I'm, I consider it that I'm filling in for the, the withdrawal of estrogen. And I know Dr. Lu Dr. Louise Newsom has started talking about it in those terms too. It's yeah. the, this with estrogen withdrawal that we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm so grateful that I found Claire because Claire's been able to fill me in about all the other things I need in my life as well. Like, you know, get good magnesium, get the right magnesium. And yeah. I now take, oh God,
I was looking around and the appointment was late and I was getting so angry and I just thought, right, if the NHS won't give me a poster, I'm going to give us a poster. I'm going to bloody get a poster done and we're going to get it up on GP's walls. And so I went home, had a couple of glasses of wine with my husband, kept talking about this and he went, oh, for God's sake, just do it then, do it, do it. Stop talking about it, just do it. I'm fed up, drink your wine, just do it. Um, and I got to talk and a few other people and said, I've had this crazy idea about trying to do a viral campaign with the menopause poster to see if we can get the NHS to put menopause posters up in GP offices. Um, I have just been given a whole load of estrogen, so I might be on a high from that and it might be a stupid <laughs> idea. But what do you think? And they all went, actually, yeah, that's a really, really good idea. And then I thought, oh, shit, I have to do something now. These people are all <laughs> waiting for me to do something. So I just, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, yes, this is, this is something to do, you know, raise awareness and do it. And I got in touch with my friend Ali Shields, who was a designer that I'd worked with in Glasgow. And I literally just said, we'd read a really, really, really nice poster with them. Claire gave me the symptoms. <clears throat> we agreed on that. I said, so these symptoms and it just needs to be gorgeous and kick-ass and powerful and just do your magic, Ali. And she did. She came back within a week with the first draft, which was incredible. Like as soon as we saw it, we were like, wow. Uh, okay, so let's have a look at the Ali, the amazing Ali Shields work then. Have you got a poster there? That's it. Cool. So let's that just have it a little bit poster. closer to the camera. Can you see it? It's not shining. Do you enough. have any of these symptoms? So I can't see it there, but I've got, you've put mood swings, hot flashes, headaches, joint pain, fatigue, and palpitations. Those are the yeah. six that you've kind of picked out as They're large. the six that we've pinched out. Um, and we also have some in the smaller right, and you know, depression, anxiety. There are, there are so many more that when we look back, we think we should have put that on as well. But there are just so many that you can do. And it's one of those things that if somebody hasn't had hot flushes, but they've had vaginal atrophy, they'll say, why isn't vaginal atrophy on there? Yeah. Why isn't brain fog on there? And we could say, why isn't this, why isn't that? There's just so yeah. many. But it's only ever meant to be a, a, con a, a, conversation, a conversation starter. Yeah. Mm. It's meant to show that menopause is not just a regular period, it's hot flushes and you turning into your grumpy old aunt. Mm. There is a lot more to it and you need to be aware of this. And also just to get the fact that women go through menopause and it's not a taboo, it's nothing to be ashamed about out there. That is did one your, of the big things. Did your mother about. talk to you about her menopause? No, never. I mean, it was referred to as the change, wasn't it? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. and my mother died when she was 56 and certainly never talked to me about it. You know, that, I never had any of those conversations. I always say it's the, um, you know, Les Dennis, when he used to do his woman with Bride yeah. Barrett Club. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Where you never talked about it. So no, she never mentioned it. So it is, it's also just to show that it's out there because Unless it's childbirth, there is nothing female orientated in the GP's office as well. If, mm. you know, so basically, if you're not a mother, then the GP's office isn't for you sort of thing. It's like there is nothing mm. female relative there. Mm. That is, this is just what happens to women. And so what happened to this campaign when you started it? I mean, you, you actually got onto the BBC, didn't you? We did, yeah. It was, it was crazy. We started it. July the 1st, 2019, and 
within a week we had the Scottish government um, speaking to the press about it. We got so many, we had brilliant team at the time and life's got in the way and sadly they've had to leave. But um, we had celebrities joining us, GPs, health trusts, all sorts. And because a lot of us had been involved with the BBC's Wake Up to the Menopause, in December, the researcher called me and she goes, hi, I'm just following up and I wondered if the series had impacted on your life in any way. And I was like, oh, Danielle, <laughs> just you wait. Wait till you hear this. Um, so, yeah, so we were on the BBC. They did a in, breakfast, a week of breakfast, they did a, didn't they, on the menopause? Yeah, they did a week of breakfast on menopause and then they did the follow-up at Christmas and that was purely about our campaign. So we were on there and then we were on Channel 5 News. I've done loads of talks on regional uh, BBC radio, LBC. I've just done one for talk radio as well. And then in March, we just before lockdown, we took it to the Houses of Parliament and did a launch with MPs there, which was great. Was yeah, brilliant. brilliant. And the great news is that in Wales, uh, the GP surgeries are saying, yeah, we'll have a bit of that. Thank you very much. That's wonderful, yeah. isn't it? No, we had great support from Unison Wales um, and NWSSP, which is the NHS Shared Services. And they have been such great supporters. And on World Menopause Day, October the 18th last year, we got told that it was being sent to every GP surgery in Wales. And that's when I just burst into tears. Yeah, what an achievement that amazing. is. Amazing, yeah, yeah, that was so good. And, and I know that you were in negotiation with Scotland and then COVID happened. So we're hoping, aren't we, that yeah. uh, that's going to happen now? We've just had GMB, Northwest and Ireland uh, give us their support as well. And they're going to help us to do it. And we've had a lot of units and Northern women are very much wanting to take this back up. And in Scotland as well, because we have a very special poster coming out for Scotland quite soon. So, yeah. Uh, but it's a bit different in England. Yes. England is difficult because it's so large <clears throat> and because it doesn't have an English parliament, it has the UK parliament. So, they're trying to join all the dots is very, very difficult. Just trying to find someone in NHS England to get in touch with is difficult because you end up getting sent down one rabbit hole and then another rabbit hole and yeah, so we're doing. But we've had so many individual trusts take us up and so many GPs take us up that the message is getting out there. We want it to be official, but the message is getting out there. And, and of course, at the moment, you know, people aren't sitting in GP surgeries, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah. that will happen again. So where else are you aiming or targeting these posters to go into? We've also handpicked menopause in the workplace, use them as part of their resource pack when they finish. So they're going out to workplaces as well, which we love handpicked for doing. And a few offices have got them up as well. So we're looking along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is what we need to get to, isn't it? Is these posters need to go on the back of ladies' toilets. Yeah. You know, and in pubs. I mean, we've, there's a wonderful campaign where they were, I've seen posters in pubs actually in York, I was sitting one day, which is the Ask Angela campaign. You know, mm. I'm very interested mm -hmm. in domestic abuse, which is if you, you know, you've made a date and you don't feel safe, you can go and ask the barman or the bar girl, oh, is Angela here? 
which is a, a sign that says, I don't feel safe, will you just please help me? Yeah. Um, so those kind of things are becoming more uh, available to us and much more acceptable. So I'm hoping that this Know Your Menopause campaign is going to experience a similar kind of resurgence when we all are out and about a little bit more, let's say. We're all out and about. That's it. We had some great things lined up and then COVID came and yeah. that was it. Yeah. So we're hoping that once everybody gets back to normal, we can we can start building it up again because menopause isn't going away. No. Um, there was a survey done um, saying 30% of women who are menopausal, their symptoms had got worse during lockdown and they were really, really suffering. So we need to get the word out. We need yeah. more people to know. You know, it's very, it's very clear, you know, I'm a um, part of this, podcast series is uh, little mini episodes on stress and the midlife women and and I did those recordings I did them in France actually last year and they're being dropped into this uh, series because stress in my opinion not only has the ma a major impact on menopause but on actually on every uh, system in our body and I think is the biggest cause of inflammatory disease and, and any mm. disease really mm. and so you know for those people that even if you don't feel particularly stressed having um, been through COVID for the last four months, our bodies are picking up that stress. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm not surprised that those results are coming out, um, definitely. And I think once lockdown yeah. lifts, we'll see a lot more. I know with me, when I used to do exams, I'd be great. And then as soon as exams went, I would get covered in blotches. Yeah. You know, as soon as I could relax, my body yeah. would go, okay, now all this stress needs an outlet. Yeah, because we'll before it was just keeping you going now it needs to it needs to show itself so i think once lockdown lifts we'll see a lot more yeah, yeah. And, and this isn't coming out now but i'm actually doing a series of webinars and one of those is actually coming up soon which i will repeat about the relationship and stress and the gut and actually the skin is the window of the gut so if you've got those things showing up in your skin generally it's because of your gut dysbiosis mm. and we know that gut dysbiosis is largely caused by stress so there's this huge kind of chain of reaction of imbalances brilliant so uh thank you so much and anything that i can do to support you with your campaign um you know you know we'd that love I am to there. see you download and do a selfie for us yeah yeah i will absolutely do that that would be fantastic um, everybody yeah. anybody and everybody you can download a poster from positivity.co.uk and send us a selfie it, yeah. every selfie helps spread the message yeah, absolutely. Um, so we will definitely get that message out. Before we finish, I've got just a few quick fire questions for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I want to know, uh, now that you're 50, so you're in your midlife officially, what would you say is, and I think you've probably covered this a bit, but what is your biggest win now being a woman over 50? I don't take any more crap. Yeah. I stand up for myself more in ways that I wouldn't before so yeah. yeah the confidence of the wise women i absolutely love it yeah. yeah and if i was to ask you you know we we've raised awareness i think hopefully about health and well-being during covid and having a little bit more attention paid on taking responsibility for our house and self-care particularly amongst women because we're notoriously bad about it what is it that you like to do for yourself what's your pamper kind of go-to I'm terrible. I'm really, really bad at self-care. Um, thing I like doing is just a bath. I've always been a bath baby. I'm a Pisces. Oh, so, so am I. I just, I just, yeah, I just love being in water. So having a nice bubble bath. And I don't even care if it's got candles or anything. If I've got a bubble bath and a book 
then I'm happy as long as I've got a book. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. And as your career and your life has gone on, um, I'm just really interested in the dynamics because I find myself now as a woman in my fifties and soon to be 60. Um, I find myself in the company of women now, largely rather than men. Is that something that's happened for you too? Or, you know, what's, what's gone on with you? That's a really interesting question. Um, yes. Yeah. I think I value older women more than I value older men now. Definitely. They, um, their experiences are often much more interesting because they've, they've gone through so much more. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, brilliant. And, and finally, what are you looking forward to? Oh, I'm looking forward to getting away on a holiday, <laughs> which isn't going to be this year. We've decided to put it off. So, yeah, I want to, to get back to Spain and, um, and hopefully see some friends and hopefully get up to Scotland and see some friends up there as well. And in terms so, of, you know, the next half of your life, what is, what is exciting for you? I want to do new challenges. I'd like to, I'd like to branch out more, meet more people, travel more, um, and just enjoy the freedom that I have now, the mm. mental freedom that I have. Yes. Because I've always been free to do whatever I want, but yeah, just the mental freedom that now allows me to do whatever I yeah. want. So yeah, I want to really, really enjoy that. And just show that the second half of your life can be better than your first I hope so because like I said my 20s were horrible so (laughs) I just want the second part to show that the second part of your life can be brilliant yeah well I um absolutely admire what you're doing and you know it's a really interesting story and I I hope you get your HRT sorted out um (laughs) and that you you know you find a way that suits you and that you know you can embrace not only next year and hopefully get away on holiday but you know but we're going to keep you in touch anyway I'm absolutely definitely Thank you so much uh, for sharing a little part of your Sunday with me. We're recording this on a Sunday. If you are listening, I will put all of um, Elizabeth's uh, links in and around this video and also in the show notes. So you can go to all of our websites and on Facebook, you've got a Facebook page as well, haven't you? So if you want to connect with her there and we'll try and get you to the right page so that you can download the poster. Um, That's really, really important too. And please do subscribe to this podcast and share it with women because you know as you know from this conversation today there is still massive amounts of ignorance around the menopause and what it means and the more that we can collaborate on this as women the more we can help more women thank you very much thank you